It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everybody. We got a good one for you here today as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Figueredo versus Benavidez 2, which will take place on Saturday, July 18th on Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi, UAE. And the very busy week here for North Star Sports through all the technical glitches that we have to deal with here, which uh, can be a major nuisance at time. And uh, you know, the, the end of a week for uh, a very busy week internationally for the UFC. Of course, we still have one more event uh, after this Saturday, which is going to be a very good one, uh, which I'm sure we'll preview early next week between Robert Whitaker and Darren Till. But for now, the focus remains here with the fight in just about just about 16 hours because I believe it's going to start around 4 p.m., actually probably 3 p.m. Central Time which is the most important uh, time zone here in the U.S., without a doubt. Uh, So a little bit of a shotgun start here uh, just due to the the busy week and some technical difficulties, but we push our way through here. I'm all all ready for a show here. I didn't do a whole ton of prep, so a lot of it's going to be off the top of the old dome ski, but uh, I got a stomach full of Chick-fil-A, and uh, I've been out in the sun walking all day, uh, luckily not getting glass bottles thrown at me like the, the last couple of times, but, uh, you know, we're, we're still out here. We're still out here and, uh, you know, spoiler alert, we might have a little bit of a mini bonus episode, uh, come Saturday, I'll say Saturday afternoon. Uh, so I, I don't want to spoil that too much cause it might, might not happen. You never know. Sometimes these things fall through, but potentially a mini bonus episode with a surprise, a surprise, uh, special guest. Uh, but again, for now, we'll focus on the uh, preview of this fight card, which I believe is just going to be st- straight through on ESPN um, proper. ESPN proper. Um, so it'll be a good one. As always, we'll work our way from the bottom of the prelims all the way up to the main event. So starting off on the prelim opener, we have a heavyweight clash here between Sergey Spivak and Carlos Felipe. Spivak is the minus 175 favorite, uh, and I think that's fair. I've never heard of Carlos Felipe uh, outside of the little research I've done with him. Uh, I was, I, I've kind of gone through waves here with Sergey Spivak where uh, I was like, who is this guy? Wasn't very impressed, uh, and then he, he really impressed me. So he got knocked out by Walt Harris. That did not impress me, <laughs> but uh, so I was kind of done with him, even though it was one fight, obviously very over overreactionary on, on my part. Uh, and then he had a very solid victory over Tai Tuavasa in his home country of Australia. Uh, he then went on to lose to Marcin Chibura. <clears throat> Excuse me. So kind of an up and down roller coaster career so far early on in the UFC for Sergey Spivak. Still only 25. Um, has one of the coolest nicknames, literally the coolest fucking nicknames in, in the UFC, Polar Bear. Uh, I can't say I've ever heard of anybody having... Uh, that nickname and you know we always respect creativity when it comes to nicknames because god knows 
45% of the Brazilians who fight in the world, are, their, their nickname is Pitbull, which is a fucking stupid nickname, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Carlos Felipe, 8-0. and uh, He's only 25, uh, coming off some pretty, pretty low-level uh, fights, if I do say so myself. Uh, looking at his opponents who he's faced, I mean, he has a lot of wins over, you know, 0-2 guys and, and, and things like this. He, he did have a boxing victory uh, back in February of 2018. Uh, he has a bit of a watered-down nickname because, you know, nicknames matter to me. Uh, his nickname is just Boy, B-O-I. Not even Ya Boy. Ya Boy is one of the best nicknames in MMA. Shout out to Eric Anders. Um, but Boy, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go with Spivak here. I do like his wrestling when he's able to, to use it. I have no fucking clue about Carlos Felipe's wrestling ability. I just know that heavyweights typically don't have great wrestling. So if they're just plucking this guy off the regional circuits probably doesn't have great wrestling and tied to Avasa doesn't have great wrestling and you look at what Spivak did to him uh, I think when Spivak can take his opponent down uh, you know he can do he can do pretty good work came in pretty spry I think he weighed in at uh, 240 he was looking pretty lean uh, for heavyweight obviously um, so I think I'm gonna side with the polar bear Sergey Spivak and I'll even say he gets a finish I'll say he gets a finish I'm not gonna say how uh, just because I have I have no idea but I don't anticipate that going to a decision but uh, i'm not gonna say with absolute certainty that it that it couldn't but if i had a hunch i'm gonna say spivak finishes carlos felipe uh moving on here to the second fight on the prelims this is a very low key for for the hardcores this is a very very high level interesting fight in one of the most stacked divisions in the ufc that's the 155 pound division davi hamosh taking on Arman Sarukian. Sarukian's the minus 225 favorite. I love both of these fighters tremendously. Davi Hamosh, obviously, a very, very good Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner. Uh, again, I always forget, I always mess up the organizations. I want to say it was IBJJF, but again, I, I don't know. I don't follow BJJ, but he was, one, he was in one of those high-level uh, things. Uh, things known as organizations. Um, Ten and three. I do believe he lost his last fight. Yeah, versus Islam Makachev, another fighter who last fought on uh, in the UAE. You know that was a common theme. There was a f- maybe two or three fighters on the Wednesday night card who the last time they fought was September of 2019 on the Khabib Poirier uh, uh, pay per view. Uh, so this is this is no different for uh, Davi Hamosh. Uh, again, I'm I'm I think he's a really good fighter. I think obviously he ran into kind of a uh, a well-deserving hype train in Islam Makachev. Uh, but you but you look so he he lost a decision to Makachev. Sarukian also lost a decision to Ma- uh, Makachev. Although Sarukian, when he took on Islam, uh, that was his UFC debut and I actually thought he won that fight to be honest with you I was very very impressed by Arman and that's why I'm honestly probably his biggest fan like if I could pick if I could pick any fighter outside of the top 15 and and just hop on that bandwagon 
and 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 say this person's going to be the next champion in the lightweight division, it would be Armand Sarukian. I mean, I, I'm so impressed with this guy. I think he just turned 23. Uh, so Davi Hamosh has the the I think 10 years on him. Yeah, he just, he just turned uh, 23. Oh, I guess he turned 23 a while ago. But uh, either way, super young, super young. 14 and two. That's a good amount of experience uh, for for a guy that young. And you know he had the rebound fight where he just absolutely dominated uh, Olivier Alban Mercier. I'm I'm as big of a fan as Armand Sarukian as you possibly can get. So I'm obviously going with Armand in this fight. I think he's a future champion in the UFC. But again, this is a ah, this is kind of a dick move. This is kind of a dick move on the UFC's on Mick Maynard's part because that's a really fucking tough test. You know what I mean? If Armand Sarukian to casuals and I mean even just to regular fans, like if he beats Davi Hamosh, ah okay, who the, who is this guy? I don't know who this guy is. But if he loses, you know what I mean? It's it's a it's a, a high risk low reward type of fight, but it speaks volumes to me because I think you know people in the know know how good Davi Hamosh is. So this is a very dangerous test, um, but I, I do think he passes and. I'm not going to say he passes with flying colors because it's pretty hard to look good against Davi Hamosh, but uh, I do think he'll win. So we'll go with the, oh, what's his nationality? Georgian? Is he from Georgia? Armenia. Armenia. Tough, S- tough SOBs over there in Armenia. So no no surprise that uh, Armand Sarukian's very good at, at uh, fighting in a cage. Uh, moving on here in the flyweight division, we have Malcolm X. Gordon taking on Amir Albazi. Albazi is the minus 150 favorite. Gotta be honest, have no fucking idea who either of these guys are. Um, I've only heard of Malcolm Gordon just because uh, he's been scheduled for a couple of fights under the UFC banner uh, that have that have uh, fallen through. He was supposed to take on uh, this, this uh, Ukrainian fella uh, whose name I would absolutely butcher if I tried to say it, but he was, he was supposed to take on him. I believe it was even for this same fight card. Um, he was on a four-fight winning streak. Uh, actually, a, a fair amount of finishes. Um, he only has two decision victories, so, you know, 10 finishes uh, in in 12 wins, 15 fights. Uh, you know, at, at such a low weight class, that's that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and, and you look at Amir Albazi, uh, this guy's 26 years old. Uh, he's technically fighting from Sweden, but I, I feel like I heard he had connections to UAE, but maybe I was wrong. Maybe that was a different, um, different fighter. Maybe I'm thinking of the, uh, the one kid that, uh, uh, Dana White signed from, uh, an Instagram video. Um, but he is, he is the slight favorite here. Uh, he he did lose a couple of fights ago under the uh, Brave uh, Combat Federation banner, and a fair a fair amount of finishes. They they don't really list all of his finishes because some of his fights were at the regional level and they they just list it as a win. Um, but he he's got quite a lot of first round finishes. Uh, this one's tough. I'm gonna go with Amir Albazi just because I'm gonna side with the favorite. Vegas must know what they're talking about. Uh, these odds, by the way, come from Bovada. Uh, again, I, I tend when it's fighters where when it's fighters who I've never actually seen fight, 
because you know your boy's not running the fucking tape on Malcolm Gordon and Amir Albazi. I tend to side with the odds just because I... The betters always know what's up. They don't set those odds randomly. Believe you me. Believe you me, as as Michael Bisping would say. They, they don't set those odds randomly because money is involved. So I'll go with Abazi. Um, and I guess I have to go by finish, to be honest, because, I mean, most of his fights, even down at flyweight, are finishes. So we'll go Amir Elbazi by finish. Uh, moving on here on the prelims in the bantamweight division, Brett the Pikey Johns taking on Montel Jackson. Jackson is the minus 225 favorite. Uh, it's a banner. It's a banner three or four days for Wales. Because what is it? They had John Phillips and um, Jack Shore on the Wednesday night. I think that's all the Wales, all the Welsh, Welsh fighters that are in the UFC. They've they are going to have fought within this you know four day stretch. Uh, and, and, and this one, this one's tough. He won his last fight versus Tony Gravely. Uh, that was interesting because I believe Gravely came off the contender series. I don't think he looked super good on the contender series and he was, he was having his moments here versus Brett Johns, but he he got choked out, kind of gassed out. If I remember that fight seems like it was a million years ago, January of this year. Um, it's it's tough to gauge with Brett Johns because it's it's kind of the same with Jimmy Rivera where you look, you see glimpses from Jimmy Rivera and then he loses three out of four, but the three losses are to the top three guys in the division. I mean, Brett Johns, undefeated fighter after beating Joe Soto going into 2018, loses to Aljamain Sterling, loses to Pedro Munoz. So, I don't know. It's it's kind of tough to figure out where where Brett John stands in in the bantamweight division. This is such an amazingly uh, talent rich division. Certainly over the last oh half half a year. I mean, it's kind of been brewing for a little longer than that. But certainly over the the last six months, you know, the the bantamweight division's really been the glamour division. Maybe maybe outside of welterweight, uh, you know, with with Usman and Covington and uh, Masvidal and a lot of big names uh, in that division for some reason. Uh, still only 27. Montel Jackson, I, I feel like I've seen a couple of his fights. Uh, he's on a three-fight winning streak. Uh, does have does have a pretty nice win over Brian Boom Kelleher, which uh, is is interesting kind of considering the uh, career resurgence. Uh, to, to, a, to a small degree, it's not like Kelleher you know, beat up a whole bunch of, uh, you know, killers, but he did end the hype train of Ode Osborne, and then, oh, I, I forgot who he fought after Ode Osborne, but he, he had a nice little nice little streak there before running into Cody Stamen. Um, tough to know with him. I mean, a win over Andre Sukumtat, one of the lowest IQ fighters <laughs> that I've ever seen fight. Uh, sorry, Andre. Um this is tough. I'm going to go with Brett Johns on this one. I know the odds have Jackson as a, I suppose minus 225 would, would qualify as a moderate, fa- slight to moderate favorite. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I'm going to go with Brett Johns on this one. I, I really hope I get this one right because this kind of seems like one of those fights. There was there was a few of these on, on the Wednesday night card where obviously we went six and five where I could see myself. Now, hopefully I, I said we were shooting for nine 
correct picks on on this card. I could see this turning out, you know, we lose four or five of the picks, and this just being one where it's like, ah, oh, fuck, I should have chose Montel Jackson. But uh, again, I have a right to change my picks up until the minute the fight starts. Uh, but at this moment, I will go with Brett Johns. Uh, moving on here in the middle of the prelims, we have a uh, lightweight bout here between Joel Alvarez and Joe Duffy. Duffy's the minus 350 favorite, which if you can believe that is the largest favorite on the card, which I, I, I find interesting because I could find a couple of other ones that I'd, I'd probably put as a, a higher favorite. Uh, Irish Joe Duffy, obviously, obviously the guy who beat uh, Conor McGregor very early on in his uh, MMA career. Kind of fallen on hard times lately. Lost to uh, Mark Bonecrusher Bone Jacasey, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, also got knocked out by uh, the human cactus, James Vick. Um, yeah, tough to, tough to make of... Uh, tough to make anything out of, of Irish Joe's career. Obviously came into the UFC with a whole ton of hype. Joel uh, Alvarez, I mean, that's a pretty shiny record at 16-2. and two. I want to say this guy was on the Ultimate Fighter at some point. That name sounds super familiar. Um, I want to say he was on the Ultimate Fighter with um, Team Europe and Team USA between McGregor and Favor. That that name sounds so familiar, but obviously I'm not going to do the fucking research to figure it out here live on air because uh, that would be incredibly boring. Uh, but this is a guy who had a seven-fight streak, seven- or eight-fight streak, where he won most of his fights by a triangle or a guillotine choke early in the first round. So uh, kind of a guy who uh, has a lot of experience on the regional circuits. Uh, still only still only 27. Very, very tall. Very tall for, for lightweight. He's six foot three. That is that's a tall drink of water right there. Um. Ah, this is so tough, man, because I really want to pick Joel Alvarez, but that minus 350 for Duffy, ah, I don't know, Vegas odds, I mean, oftentimes Vegas odds are wrong, but, ah, uh, I don't, I don't know, man, I guess I'll go Joe Duffy, I got a really bad feeling about, th about this one as well, I got a really bad feeling about these last two fights, but, ah, uh, begrudgingly I'll go with Joe Duffy, I don't know, just the... Ah, he has been in the UFC for longer, but ah, this is a very tough one. We'll go Joe Duffy by... Oh, we'll go split decision on this one, because I, I don't feel too confident about it. Uh, moving on here, we have a catchweight bout of 155 pounds between Nebraska's Grant Dawson and Team Alpha Male's Nad Naramani. Dawson is the minus 235 favorite. Uh, coming into this fight, 15-1, and one. Uh, still only 26 years old. I believe this, uh, yeah, he came off of the first season of uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Uh, stringing together some some nice some nice wins here, um, not over particularly high-level UFC competition. Uh, Adrian Diaz was the, uh, the cat he beat on the Contender Series, beat Julian Arosa, who was on uh, that season of the Ultimate Fighter with Conor McGregor and Uriah Faber. Uh, beat Mike Trezano, who I want to say won the Ultimate Fighter undefeated. If not 
If not, he lost in the finale. Um, but uh, and that might have been the last season of the Ultimate Fighter they've done, which is cr- absolutely crazy. I think that I think they'd be very wise to bring that back in this. I mean, obviously that was in the digital age as as well. But you know, in in this era with uh, ESPN Plus, I think that'd be interesting. And then a win over Derek Minner. Um, who's a Nebraska guy who also, I believe he fought twice on the Contender Series. Um, he might have won one and lost one. A lot of fights at the regional regional level choked him out, kind of gassed out uh, in that second round. Uh, Nad Naramani, uh, name sounds a little familiar, obviously a, a UK uh, gentleman, the Smiler. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Does have a nice little smile there. Uh, did lose his last fight versus Mike Grundy. Um, I'm going to go Grant Dawson on this one. I don't know a whole ton about Nad Naramani. Uh, I assume uh, he, he's probably getting, getting uh, some very solid uh, wrestling advice, just given he's at Team Alpha Male. But Grant Dawson's a, a, a pretty fine wrestler, and I think Grant Dawson takes him down and chokes him out in the second round. So we'll go Grant Dawson, Grant Dawson by second round submission. Uh, and this leads us to the main event of the prelims, a light heavyweight tilt here between Kadis Ibrahimov, God, I suck at Russian names, and Roman Delitsi. Uh, not a whole lot of experience here, an 8-2 and two fighter in Kalidis versus a 6-0 and oh fighter uh, in Roman Delitsi. Uh Whole lot of chest hair for the uh, Dagestani Russian uh, fighter Kalidis. Uh, he has lost his two fights in the UFC uh, to not very solid f- fighters when, when you look at the whole uh, uh, totem pole in the UFC. A loss to Daun Jung and Ed Herman. Uh, that's not very good. Don't really know why this is the featured bout on the prelims, but uh, I guess we assume the UFC knows more about card placement, but uh, to be honest, these last couple of fights, I have no idea if they're just guessing with the the placement here. Uh, Delizzi, uh 32 years old, obviously undefeated. He's making his UFC debut. He was supposed to debut, it looks like, back in April of 2019, so quite the delay here uh, for the UFC debut for Roman Delizzi. He was supposed to fight... Oh, Jesus, Lord. Gadsim Murad Antigulov. Uh, and then he was supposed to fight Vinicius Moreta, uh, who he would have he, he smoked Vinicius. That guy is not very good. Um, and then he was supposed to fight Kalidis, I believe, a month and a half ago. Um, he's, only, he's only the slight favorite here at minus 170, but we're going to go with Roman Delizzi uh, for no other reason than he's undefeated, and he is the favorite. Never seen either of these. Actually, I've probably seen Kalidis fight and just... Didn't really stick in the old in the old uh, noggin because uh, he lost his two fights against completely nondescript fighters. Uh, moving on here to the main card opener. It's a flyweight bout here between Alexander. I guess they went with Alexander. It looks like Alexandre. Uh, we'll go Alexander Pantoja, 22 and four versus Askar Bullet Askarov, 11 0 and one. Uh, Pantoja is the minus 200 favorite. Uh, this is interesting. It'd be it'd be interesting if we did uh, flyweight rankings, which we do not because the flyweight division is complete buns. Um, 
I don't know. If you guys want me to do flyweight rankings, I'll do them just because we're going to have a champion, obviously, on, on Saturday, barring something crazy, which could happen. But uh, I just it'd, it'd be so much work to do the flyweight rankings because they change so often because all the fighters suck and they're signing new guys who suck worse than the old guys. And I was thinking about doing a shortened, I think I mentioned this on, on, on the show, yesterday but doing a shortened like top seven but even then i don't know obviously the i think ufc wise which we don't give a shit about their rankings uh but i believe these are two top six fighters i want to say askarov is six and pantoja is three uh so pretty highly ranked and you know not out of the realm of possibility that uh, the winner of this fight could contend for a title if they won in convincing fashion i don't really know who else is out there and in the top rankings at that flyweight because uh, the flyweight rankings are uh, again completely uh, bum kiss um I don't know this is interesting I kind I'm kind of leaning toward Askar Askarov because of of his performances uh, I, I remember being pretty impressed uh, obviously Pantoja here uh, only 30 years old which I mean I guess I say only but 30 is getting up there for flyweight and I mean flyweight Fighters tend to age very poorly, and their careers are kind of tilted a few years forward. Um, but but some solid wins here in the UFC. Brandon Moreno, Ulka, Sasaki, Wilson Hayes. He did lose two fights ago to uh, Davison Figueredo, um, but obviously kind of a mainstay here in the UFC. Askarov, the, the the new kid on the block. You got to respect the uh, you know pretty much the same first and last name there. That's uh, not cavemanish at all uh he did have a split draw versus brandon moreno uh beat the piss out of tim elliott ah this this is tough i'm gonna go with askar askarov it's just a gut feeling uh, i remember being more impressed with his performance ah, but again this is one that's gonna i hate these fight night cards because it's just uh, debuting fighters and just really tough fights to pick. I feel like I nail outside of 249. I kind of dropped dropped the the ball on that one, but I feel like I feel like pay per views. We just do better at picking. I guess I could go back and look at the uh, the picks, which you can find at NorthStarSports.media forward slash picks. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go Askarov here. I don't know. It just kind of kind of jumps out at me. Uh, moving on here, we have a close fight here at uh, women's flyweight between Ariane Lipsky and Luana Carolina. Uh, Lipsky is the minus 125 favorite, which is essentially a pick'em uh, at that point. Uh, the Violence Queen, 26 years old, uh, pretty, pretty tall, kind of tall for flyweight, five foot six, uh, 12 and five. Had a pretty bad start to her UFC career. Lost her first two fights to uh, Joanne Calderwood and Molly McCann. I mean, solid losses. Those are good fighters. Uh, rebounded in November of 2019 with a unanimous decision victory over Isabella de Padua. Um, not a very cultured man. I do not know how to. Do not know how to. I guess that's a Latin American name. I don't know. I'm just terrible at pronouncing names if they're not uh, standard names. Luana Carolina, uh, she made her UFC debut on the Nama Yunus Andrade 1 card. That would be UFC 237. 
beat Priscilla Cachueta, who is one of the worst fighters currently under roster in the UFC, uh, has had four bouts canceled between two fighters, Yanan Wu, and then uh, had this fight canceled with Ariane Lipsky in May and in June. Uh, but it looks like they're going to uh, fight because both of them made weight, but not a guarantee that they fight because, you know, weird shit happens. Um, there was actually a lot of hype surrounding Ariane Lipsky. Uh, had a very good highlight tape when she came into the UFC. Um, I'll side with Lipsky on this one. Uh, don't know a whole lot about Carolina. More UFC experience for, for Lipsky and a decent amount of hype train for uh, for Lipsky uh, heading into the UFC about a year and a half ago. Uh, and, and I guess we'll go by decision on this one. Again, don't don't feel super good about fights that I don't know a whole ton about, but uh, we got to make these picks for a reason. Uh, moving on in the featured bout on the main card, it's a lightweight bout here between Mark Bonecrusher Jacasey and Rafael Fiziev. Uh, Jacasey is the very slight 160 favorite. Um, interesting UFC tenure. Surprising that he's still only 27. Uh, fighting out of the UK, he was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which um, is not one of the nicer countries on this earth. Uh, when, when you look at crime stats, um, although he came into the UFC undefeated, won his first three fights. So he got all the way up to 12 and 0, and then he lost his next three fights to Drakkar Close, Dan Hooker, and Nasrat Hackparast. Uh, got on track versus Irish Joe Duffy. This was early on in 2019, and then had another 2019 win over the the pretty tricky, groovy Lando Venata. Uh, again, like like most fighters, because of this pandemic, has had three canceled bouts uh, bouts in uh, 2020. But he'll take on Rafael Fiziev, uh, who I believe is making his UFC debut here. Uh, oh no, he actually fought uh, fought in the UFC a couple of times. Uh, looks like on some very nondescript cards. Um, one and one in the UFC. Uh, does have a win over Alex White, which, again, the, uh, not 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 a super solid uh, win there. But you know you got you got to win your first fight in the UFC. Uh, so he he broke that O uh, after losing to Magomed Mustafaev. Uh, we'll we'll go uh, Jacasey on this one. I think he's got his style back on the two fight winning streak. Uh, for whatever for whatever the reason, man, you know he, he just kind of ran into that. I mean that's some pretty good fighters. Dan Hooker, I believe. That must have been super early on in his lightweight tenure, probably right after he moved up from uh, featherweight. But obviously, I think there's a huge talent difference here between Jacasey and Fiziev. Uh, I, I've been a little impressed by Jacasey. I don't think he was in that Joe Doffy fight, if I can remember. I don't think it was that Im- that impressive, but... Um, you know, we'll, we'll go with the hot hand here in uh, Bone Crusher Jacasey. Uh, moving on here in the co-main event, it's the number six ranked middleweight Jack Hermanson taking on the number seven ranked middleweight Kelvin Gastelum. Hermanson comes in with a record of 20 and 5. Gastelum 18 and 5. It's a pretty much a pick. It's a minus 110 for Hermanson, a minus 120 for uh, KG, um, 
solid matchmaking. You put my number six guy versus the number seven guy. I, I, I couldn't think of a more fair matchup. Uh, I can see why the, the odds clearly reflect it here. Uh, man, I don't know. This is interesting because uh, they both... Well, I don't want to say they can both take a beating, but they, you know, they both have chins. Uh, probably Gastelum, Gastelum. At least he's shown it a little more. Obviously, you know, in the fight with um, Israel Adesanya, and even even to some degree in the till fight. Um, and and they're both pretty good on the ground. Pretty good uh, with grappling. Great ground and pound there for uh, uh, Jack the Joker. But to me, this this is really a crossroads fight here for both of these fighters because. Hermanson, you had the main event in uh, in Denmark in your, I guess, home region, uh, in there in Scandinavia. Uh, you know, a guy who really flew under the radar before he had that main event with uh, Jacare Souza. Uh, but man, you know, you kind of got you talk about great ground and pound, and you know, kind of got kind of got walloped by Cannoneer. Who I'm surprised we haven't seen any announcements with Cannoneer. I'm very very high on this guy, and he doesn't really have the, well, he's probably 35 or 36, uh, but again, that's not a, that's not a whole lot of time left in your career, so I'd really like to see Cannoneer get cracking, because uh, I, I do think that guy potentially could be your middleweight champion, uh, you know, if he ever got put in a title fight, I'm pretty high on Cannoneer, he's kind of special, he's kind of special, he just was in, he was just two divisions up for most of his career, um, Speaking of divisions up, Kelvin Gastelum, who honestly pro- probably would be a world champion if he was at welterweight, if he could just even slightly, even even just remotely contr- could control his diet, he would be a champion at 170. Uh, but he's, uh, I don't know, he's a big boy. He's a big boy, and not just frame frame wise, because he's five foot nine. So, you know, not a big boy in that sense. A big boy around the waist. Um, damn shame that that he couldn't make uh, 170. Uh, but like I said, crossroads fight here for Gastelum because uh, you had the undisputed title fight, which again he should have taken, and uh, it's easy for me to say, and obviously you know hindsight's twenty twenty. But I would have said that at the time, interim belts mean nothing. Yeah, you get a cut of the pay per view, but uh, man, nothing, nothing's like the undisputed title. And honestly, he kind of matched up kind of good against Whitaker. I still think Whitaker probably would have given him, given him a walloping. Um, but uh, a bad career decision there, and then two straight losses. You know the the interim title fight with Adesanya, which you know hard hard to hard to blame. You know what is it? Eighteen people have tried, and nobody stopped Adesanya. Uh, and then Darren Till losing by split decision. So fairly or unfairly, with a split decision, that's that's still a loss. You know what I mean? And he's down here at seven. That's a that's a very stacked division, and there's a lot of fighters going up. There's some fighters going down. Trust me, Gastelum is right on the edge because he's at seven in the North Star rankings. Major, major drop off at eight because number eight's Derek Brunson. So if you look at the top seven, well, really the top eight if you include the champion. But I guess for the ranked fighters who aren't champion, I guess it goes to seven. But Adesanya. Whitaker, Costa, Cannoneer, Till, Romero, Hermanson. All all very, very special fighters. All very, very good fighters. All fighters 
who could be or have been UFC champions. That that's a very special top six. I would e- I would even extend that to seven. But my point being here with Gastelum, all right, Gastelum, you're you're straddling the edge here between relevancy and very elite fighters, and the Derek Brunsons, Uriah Halls, Omari Akhmedovs of Bre- oh God, Brad Tavares is of the world. So, are you a Derek Brunson or a Brad Tavares? Or are you a Jack Hermanson or a Jared Cannonier? Uh, you know, it could go it could go two ways. Because let me tell you, I mean, I'm sure Gastelum would love to fight at light heavyweight. Because then he would have to, be, you know, he could eat even more. But being being five foot nine at middleweight, you're a midget. You're an absolute midget. You're kind of even short for welterweight. So you know, his you know, if Gastelum loses this fight, it'd be smart to go to welterweight. You know what I mean? But you can't go up. You can't go up. So you, you only can change divisions the hard way. You know what I mean? You change divisions the easy way by going from 170 to 185. You can't really go to 205. Uh, that's a that's a 20-pound difference there. That's, that you know, he would – he's a very good fighter, but he would get absolutely smoked uh, at light heavyweight because th- those are some really big boys, really big boys. Um so interesting fight here. Honestly, I, I I was coming into this. I, I I did not pick my winners before I did this because I wanted to talk it out on air. And honestly, fuck man, this is a really really tough fight. And and obviously the odds reflect that. I'm gonna go with Kelvin Gastelum on this one. Uh. I do think he probably he probably is the more talented fighter. Uh, Hermanson looked fucking massive at the weigh-ins. He looked he looked cut, but also jacked. So <laughs> Jack looked jacked. He looked really big. So ah, you know what I mean. That's that's gonna be a tough one. I don't feel great about this. This is one of those fights where I probably will change my mind right before the fight happens. I guess right now I'm going to go I'm going to go Kelvin, but you know, Hermanson, he did have that setback. I do think Cannonier is really special. Uh, you know, but he's kind of the new kid on the block. Ah, yeah, I I don't know, man. That's tough. I'm going to go Kelvin Gastelum by decision just cuz they're both really tough fighters, but they certainly do possess uh, you know, finishing ability. But you know, we'll see if Gastelum can kind of get back to the, the, the hype train, you know, where he knocked out Bisping and where he was beating Jacare Souza. And, you know, I mean, I suppose Hermanson, despite the loss, is, is kind of the hot the hotter hand here. But, like, man, look at the, look at the, the names that Gastelum has beaten. Jake Ellenberger, who, again, you, you know, I guess people would go, oh, Jake Ellenberger, but... Jake Ellenberger, I want to say around like 2009 or 2010, was like top five in the world. Uh, Nate Marquardt, former uh, Strikeforce champion. Johnny Hendricks, former UFC champion. Tim Kennedy, who I believe was a champion in Strikeforce. Uh, I think he beat Vitor Belfort, but uh, he failed a drug test. Uh, a pretty bad, a pretty bad loss to Chris Weidman, all things considered. But Bisping champion, Souza, Strikeforce champion. You know he he he's got some very solid wins and he's he might have 
He's only 28. He might have excessive miles on the tank for a 28-year-old fighter, but uh, certainly in the in the grand scheme of things, I don't think he's washed. Um, you know what I mean? I, th- I think he's got a good amount of experience and, and certainly is going to hit his prime between, you know, taking too many miles on, on the old odometer and, uh, you know, being physically uh, in his prime. Uh, moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's a vacant flyweight title bout here between Davison Figueredo and Joseph Benavidez. Figueredo 18 and 1, Benavidez 28 and 6. Figueredo is the minus 225 favorite. Uh, again, we don't do rankings at North Star Sports. I believe these are 1 and 2, uh, respectively. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, a couple of fights ago, I said I would probably could think of uh, uh, another fight that I'd, I'd rather have be the biggest uh, favorite on the card, and that is the mailman's lock of the week, Davison Figueredo. Uh, listen, when the younger fighter beats the older fighter, it's incredibly rare that in the rematch the older fighter beats the younger fighter. There's very, very few examples of this happening from the highest level to the lowest level in the UFC, of course. The major exception is Bisping beating Rockhold in the rematch at 199. Um, I'm sure there's a couple of other high-profile ones, but this typically doesn't happen. Typically, if, if, if the score is different, it's the younger fighter beating the older fighter where the younger fighter lost to the older fighter in the first fight. Uh, Figueredo is just too good. He's just too good. 32. Benavidez, surprisingly, he's pretty damn old for, for flyweight. 35 years old. That's, he's basically Randy Couture at this point. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I'm, I'm almost not even kidding. Like to be 45 years old as a light heavyweight is honestly pretty similar to being 35 and being a flyweight. Like look at all the great flyweights. Not that I'm some fucking historian here, because it's you know obviously the the weakest division in MMA, but you know what I mean, like, and just in general, low, I guess you can include bantamweight as well. You know what I mean, like Miguel Torres fell off a fucking map when he when he hit a certain age. Um, you know what I mean, like, and Benavidez is probably one of the best fighters. I know this is the common talking point to never win a belt in the UFC. His four, I believe this is his fourth crack at the title, which is absolutely bonkers. Uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And unfortunately, listen, I'm just trying to pick the correct fight here. It's going to be the, it's going to be the case here on Saturday afternoon here in the States. Davison knocked him out pretty much fair and square. Uh, other, well, I mean, other than missing white, that's, that's pretty unfair, but, um, you know, a lot was made of the headbutt. I side with Davison on this one. You look at the replay. It was Benavidez who initiated the headbutt. Benavidez was swinging wildly while coming forward, and it wasn't Davison who slapped a headbutt on him. Now the headbutt, perhaps, and I, this is I guess just my opinion, it looked like it disproportionately affected Benavidez, but it was Benavidez whose recklessness with his striking led to it. You know what I mean? And then he got knocked the fuck out. So, you know, I don't know. It really sucks for Joseph Benavidez because... Even at fly, there's not a lot of legends in the UFC at flyweight because nobody gives a shit about this division. Uh, but 
man, he, he really has beaten a lot of top fighters at flyweight to where even somebody like me, who's a casual flyweight fan, you know what I mean? Not a hardcore flyweight fan, but a casual one. Juicy A4 Miga, of course, at UFC Minneapolis, which is a very good stoppage. Dustin Ortiz, Alex Perez, who would be highly ranked if we did uh, rankings. Henry C- Henry Cejudo, that's a very solid win. Zach Makovsky, who was the inaugural Bellator bantamweight champion, I want to say. Ali Bogatinov, who fought Demetrius Johnson for the belt. John Moraga, Dustin, Orti- Dustin Ortiz twice. Tim Elliott, well, I guess Formiga twice as well. Ian McCall, who was hot shit at that point. Uh, Eddie Wineland. Miguel Torres, the, the aforementioned Miguel Torres. Uh, you know what I mean? So he, he's beaten. You really couldn't get a better resume at flyweight, to be honest. Honestly, you could make the case outside of head-to-head matchups because obviously Mighty Mouse won the two fights between these guys. Um, but I don't know. If you were to stack up resumes, I kind of feel like Benavidez's resume is better than Demetrius Johnson's resume. Obviously, Demetrius Johnson, well, I would say won a, f- a lot more fights, but honestly, 28-6 and six is a pretty solid record. But I, I, I don't know. I kind of, I, like, some of those fighters that <laughs> that Mighty Mouse defended his belt against are just, like, just trivia questions, you know what I mean? Just, like, absolute fucking knobheads who came into the UFC and got a title shot in the weakest division. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't go that I wouldn't go that far, but it's certainly a discussion who has the better resume. Obviously, head-to-head's a different a different story. But I don't see... Wh- why would this fight be any different? Why would this fight be any different? Davis... The only thing that's different is Davison could become the champion because he actually made weight. That's the only difference. What what would change? And I, I guess I'm not so naive to think there couldn't be different things because you know it's, the, it's MMA. Anything can happen. Like Bisping says, and he has a lot of good advice... You know, no two fights are the same, but no two fights are the same, but god damn, this fight's pretty similar, man. Like, it's, what are we, five months post-UFC Norfolk? What's gonna, did Benavidez get younger in those five months? No. Did he learn more? Maybe he learned a little more, but Jesus, you know, he's like 15 years into his career at this point. What's, what's the difference? I think Davison wins. Honestly, I'm kind of rooting for Benavidez because I don't, I, I kind of like the underdog. I kind of like everybody's kind of counting Benavidez out. I think rightfully so. People are kind of like, well, four title shots. What is he, the Yoel Romero of the flyweight division? Um, so I, I don't know. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for Benavidez. It, it would. I'm not gonna say sad because I don't have an emotional attachment to the flyweight division, but ah, you know what I mean. You gotta you gotta respect someone who has has been at this level for a very long time, but never won that belt. You know, despite their, their, well, I guess two different champions. And there's going to be a third one here uh, on, on Saturday afternoon because I do believe Davis and Figueredo wins. Um, I also think he knocks him out again. I, I, I really do. I think Davison's a very good striker. I've always been impressed with Davison in the fights that I've watched him in. Uh, I know he has that loss to Formiga. But the, um, the Tim Elliott fight, I was impressed with him on... Uh, Pantoja, he looked good in that one. Uh, I believe it was a John Moraga fight. I don't know if I was watching flyweights back then. Uh, but I've been very impressed by Davison. Pretty tall for uh, 125, which obviously is why he... Well, one of the contributing factors 
uh, as to why he missed weight uh, in in February. But yeah, I just don't see it. Maybe Benavidez he could fight differently against Davison, but I so I I, I don't know, man, because maybe Davison's the type of guy where he downloaded Benavidez in the first fight, so he knows everything. You know what I mean? Maybe he downloaded him. I'm going to say third round knockout. I think the fight lasts a little bit longer because maybe there's not a headbutt that, you know, causes something to happen. But I just think Davison outclasses him. Uh, I, I, it'll be competitive, but I just think Davison will find a moment. He'll knock him out, and he will become the third ever UFC flyweight champion of the world. And Benavidez will lose his fourth title fight. Um... Yeah, so with that, we're going to wrap up the show here. Like I said, we might have a special bonus episode of North Star Sports uh, right before the fights start, probably, uh, you know what I mean, maybe around noon. Hopefully earlier, or earlier is better, uh, noon, 1 p.m. Hopefully that happens. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You could follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. you got to follow the mailman. He's just, you know, he's, he's a hoot. He's a hoot. We'll try to have a segment with the mailman. Well, I guess mailman's lock of the week. Uh, but we'll try to have more segments with the mailman because he always delivers. You guys got to realize this. The mailman, it doesn't matter if it's raining, if it's derivatoing, or whatever the fuck the Weather Channel told me was, was about to hit Minnesota. <laughs> whatever the fuck that means. Um, whether whether it's that, whether it's... Uh, uh, Calcutta Clipper, whether it's, uh, oh, what the fuck do we call those? Any, pretty much any weather. It doesn't even matter. There could be a hurricane in, in the, the North Star State. It, does, it doesn't fucking matter. The mailman's always going to deliver. You know, if it's raining a lot, well, he might be delivering in a scuba mask. You know what I mean? But pretty much, you know, all, it could be flooded all the way to the roof of, of houses, and, and he'd still be, he'd be in one of those little dinghies that the Navy SEALs are in. You know what I mean? One of those little inflatable fucking rafts. You know what I mean? So the, the delivery might be delayed because we're not fucking Amazon here. You, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but the delivery will always happen. The mailman will always deliver. You get, you guys, you just got to realize it. Um, again, you could follow uh, and check out our website at northstarsports.media. Very cool whole lot of MMA stuff on there recently. Maybe some Viking stuff we'll do next week, uh, but we'll figure that out. But obviously with a very busy week for the UFC, there's a whole bunch of cool stuff on there. The rankings have changed greatly over the last couple of uh, couple of days because, you know, obviously we've been packing in the fights and the rankings are going to change likely Saturday night, Monday morning, because uh, that's probably when we'll redo the rankings. So whole lot of rankings changes whole lot of fun shit you guys you guys got to get on the hype train now because you know what i mean we're gonna close the doors at some point you know we're like drakel we're like drakel we're like drake you know our 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 circle is is so small it's a period you know what i mean so we're no new friends at a certain point you can come in you know what i mean we have we've had a whole lot of viewers from canada recently apparently uh they found us on some app i did not even know existed uh i didn't even know my podcast was on this app uh, that I'm still researching, but uh, somebody put it on there, or I don't know, they just found it. So, you know, shout out to Canada. I got a Canadian flag in my basement. Got a Brazilian flag, Australian flag, all the cool manly countries I got a flag for uh, in my basement. 
no British flag because, you know what I mean, uh, jury's still out on that one. But, you know what I mean, shout out to Canada. Happy Canada Day. I know I'm like three weeks late, but I don't give a shit. I don't plan for Canada Day. Uh, America's still the greatest country of all time. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.